Toward the end of the first chapter of Revelation, John saw Jesus glorified standing in the midst of seven churches. And the messengers of those seven churches in his right hand. Throughout the New Testament, we are taught about Jesus and his relationship to the church, his church. Today on Drawing Near, we will intensify or magnify our examination of what the Bible says about the church and the one who heads it. So open your Bible and turn to the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 2, and follow along as we study Jesus and his church. Before we look at the scripture, let's pray together. And our Heavenly Father, we thank you for not only our inclusion in the body of Christ, but for Jesus Christ building his body, founding it upon the gospel, dying on the cross to redeem it, to establish it, resurrecting so that we would be with him through faith for all eternity. Father, we thank you for your great purpose and plan all the way from the foundation of the earth until the time when all things culminate in the return of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that our Lord was not simply humiliated for our sin on the cross, but he has been exalted, glorified. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I thank you that you have opened our eyes to these truths, opened our minds. Now, Father, help us to understand more deeply your church and its relationship with Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's read Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. This revelation comes from the Lord Jesus Christ to the church. If we are to understand the words in this revelation, we must first understand the relationship between Jesus and his church. That's why the first three chapters deal with the explanation of who this comes from, who it's going to, and Jesus's relationship, instruction, counsel, correction of his church. So many times we think this book of Revelation is about end times, when in fact it is primarily about the Lord Jesus Christ, his relationship with the church, what he has done, what he is going to do, and how the church fits in with all of those plans. When we see it like that, Revelation becomes a letter of instruction and hope for the church. If we were to understand Jesus' relationship with his church, we need to go back to Matthew's gospel. I believe the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, is foundational in understanding what we read about in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. So flip back to Matthew 28, verse 16. In Matthew 28, Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He is meeting with his disciples. He's gathering them all together. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that Jesus, we don't know if this is the time or not, appeared to over 500 witnesses at one time after his resurrection. Jesus is on the mountain with his disciples, and we're told in Matthew 28, 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. 
but some doubted. Now, I think it's important that right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, while these individuals are with the Lord Jesus Christ, and there are likely more there than simply the eleven, seeing Jesus brought about worship. Remember in Revelation chapter 1, when John sees Jesus glorified, he falls on his face as though he were dead. These see the resurrected Christ and they worship him. And yet seeing him, some still doubted. And I believe there are many in the church today who fall into this category. They have trusted in Jesus as their Savior. They have become a part of the body of Christ. And yet they live their lives doubting the Lord Jesus Christ, doubting his presence in the church or presence in the world, doubting how much power, how much control he has, doubting his ability to protect them and to keep them. I see many people who are so terrified of death that they will forsake the church just to try to preserve their life on this earth a few days. And I have to believe that part of that is doubting that Jesus Christ is actually going to take them to a literal heaven, and that that heaven is as good as the Bible says it is. I believe that many Christians are plagued with doubt concerning Jesus Christ, his authority, and all that he is going to do for his church. Doubt is manifested by fear and worry, and we see that everywhere among us. People are fearful of circumstances. People are fearful of the times. People are worried about everything. And we need to understand doubt, fear, and worry are the opposite of faith. We need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in what he said. Trust in his promises. Trust in all that he has done on our behalf. We must believe. We must have faith. And if we have faith, then we will not fear. Rather, we will live in confidence in the power of that faith. And we will not spend our time worrying and fretting, but rather we will live our lives doing what we have been called to do boldly. So in Matthew twenty-eight sixteen, when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then we're told in verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Did you hear that? The Father has given all authority to Jesus in heaven and on earth. There is no authority on earth that is higher than the Lord Jesus. No president, no body of government, no nation, no kingdom, no power. No one on earth, including Satan, has more authority than the Lord Jesus. Jesus is in charge. All authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Then he says in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's our job as believers. That's the church's mandate, to go make disciples to go make followers of the Lord Jesus of all the nations, of all the peoples of the earth. We are to confirm this through baptism, and we are to teach them to observe, to do all things that Jesus has commanded us. We need to understand the church begins to have problems with Jesus 
when we disobey his commands and not follow him by faith. We begin to suffer when we do not do what we're told to do, and when we do not teach others to do what Jesus has commanded us to do. He is the authority. He has given commands to the church. We must obey them, and we must teach others who are becoming disciples to obey them as well. And then listen to this phrase, and lo, or look, or behold, the bottom line, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So be it. Let it be so. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. He wants us to be making disciples and do what he has commanded us to do and teach others to do the same. And he promises us, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have no reason to doubt. He has all authority, and he's going to be with us. That's exactly what we learn in Revelation 1, 2, and 3. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus is walking among the churches. He walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. The number seven often in Scripture is a number of completion. There were seven days in creation. God creates six days. He rests the seventh. Seven is a number for completion. And so we can literally take from this passage, Jesus is walking in the midst of all of his churches, the seven golden lampstands. We are also told that he holds the seven stars in his right hand. The right hand is the symbol of power and authority. Jesus has the power and the authority over his pastors, over his teachers, his messengers. He holds them accountable, as we'll see in chapters 2 and 3, but he also holds them secure. He continues to assure the church that his messengers are held in his hand and that he has authority over them, and he's guiding them, watching them, and speaking through them. We see that Jesus is with us. He's talking through his messengers to us. We need to hear and trust and obey. We need to be encouraged because the bottom line is, if the fact that Jesus has all authority and is walking among us and speaking to us doesn't give us encouragement, nothing will. The other thing we see in chapters 2 and 3 is this. Jesus knows what's going on in his churches, and he knows the heart of the matter. And Jesus cares for his churches. He cares about what they're doing. And just as we were told in Matthew 28 that we are to teach others to do all things that he's commanded us, Jesus holds us accountable for doing all things that he has commanded. He is still in control. He is still in charge. He is the head of the church. The church is his bride. He told Peter that upon this rock I will build my church. The church belongs to Jesus. We exist to glorify, worship, edify, magnify, proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And we need to get our eyes off of the world and back on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one we follow. We need to learn from Peter. Not look at the waves of the sea that are tossing about us, but keep our eyes on Jesus. As long as Peter had his eyes on Jesus, 
He was walking on top of the water. It's when he took his eyes off Jesus that he began to sink. And by God's grace, Peter cried out to the Lord, and the Lord lifted him up out of the water and set him inside the boat. We need today to cry out to the Lord Jesus because the church is floundering. And we need to get our eyes back on the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to stabilize us, to set our feet on solid ground. Jesus is real. Jesus is among us. And he has instructions for us. And these instructions will correct us and encourage us and sustain us in the difficult times ahead. We need to trust him, not fear, not doubt, not fret, not worry. We need to trust in Jesus. I love the old hymn. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. Let us do his good will. He abides with us still for all who will trust and obey. That's what we need to do. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy or at peace with Jesus but to trust and obey. Father, I thank you that although Jesus has ascended to your right hand, he still walks among the churches. He still intercedes on our behalf. He still continues to instruct us and correct us, to train us in righteousness. And one day he will visibly come back in the clouds, and every eye will see him. Until that time, Father, I pray that you would give faith to your church, that you would strengthen them, so that with all boldness we may live in all circumstances of this world, in the faith of Jesus Christ, in the confidence of knowing that he has all authority and power, and he is with us to the end of the age. We are not alone. We are not helpless. We have Christ walking among us. I thank you so much for this encouragement, for this truth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.